0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think you have to say that the month of June is working out to be pretty much what Georgia fans were told that it would be. I mean, you want to go back into like the early spring. It really sort of seemed like the month of June was kind of circled as a major epicenter for the 2023 recruiting class not just for the dogs but across the rest of the country there as well but the gravitational pull of the class has just kind of moved up in the calendar year whereas maybe years ago you were thinking about you know winter time with a february decision and even as the early signing period began in 2018 you know with with sort of that late fall december time becoming a, a really big deal All of a sudden, it seems like more and more guys are taking advantage of these summer official visits, looking to make decisions and get the information they need about making their decision prior to the start of their senior year. July is a dead period for stuff like that. So a lot of this now happens in June. And if you follow like the social media chatter, related to a lot of this kind of stuff you saw all these elite four and five star prospects saying i got a visit to georgia coming up june the whatever whatever and on and on you go there and there was just all of this attention such a big spotlight pointed on the month of june you knew big visits were going to happen but for a lot of fans the question is okay well what is the tangible benefit of those visits what is the aftermath of all this buzz that seems to exist around uga recruiting and sometimes. We're led to believe oh it's going to be so easily measured it's going to be so uh era you know ever ever present and 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 apparent for all of us and you know sometimes it doesn't quite work out that way but i'd say this month for georgia is kind of working out that way whether it be aj harris last week which we obviously had a really good time with or cj allen the really good looking linebacker that that made his commitment announcement to georgia yesterday and admittedly I think for those of us who kind of do this for a living, present Georgia content on the internet, I think one and by the way, good look there at Allen on your screen. If you're watching on video, uh, another one of these recruits that uh, takes advantage of the all white uniforms, including the helmet uh, for his recruiting photo, got the committed uh, background there, and he puts out the go dogs there on Twitter. So CJ Allen clearly having a good time with this on social media. That's great to see from him. But the point here is. I think for those of us who do this kind of thing, you know, present Georgia content on the Internet, you know, sometimes what counts as a major commit is sometimes you know hard to decide, because let's face it, Georgia has been in the business of getting a lot of big time commitments for uh, for a very long time. And obviously last week. When Georgia goes out and uh, beats the Florida Gators for a guy like Harris, obviously everybody's reacting in such a big way to that. That's kind of like one of those things that had Georgia fans buzzing for a couple of days here. I want you to know, though, that in the case of Allen, while it may seem like the buzz is slightly smaller than it was for uh, Harris there last week, the truth is, is this is in its own right a very big commitment there for the Georgia Bulldogs. And it's the kind of thing that ought to generate its own level of excitement you know, how do you compare to other commits? I don't know that I necessarily want to do that, but for a Georgia program, it's used to getting a lot of guys who are kind of in that sort of like four-star, top 150 player in the country type range. Uh, you don't ever really get tired of it. You don't ever really get you know to the point where you kind of overlook it or disregard it. And I think that's the case with Allen. So that's just kind of one of the thoughts that I had there on that. There are also four other thoughts that I want to share quickly about Georgia adding this four-star linebacker CJ Allen to the fold. I like the way in which this was rolled out last night, and this may seem like a small thing, but to me it's one of those things that kind of matters. I've told you before that George is one of those programs that on the field is so businesslike. And Kirby Smart himself is a very all business type coach. You don't see Smart, you know, making, you know, goofy things on social media the way that, like, I say Lane Kiffin does, or you don't see a lot of, you know. Just a lot of silliness, tomfoolery, if you will, from the program on a regular basis. This is a program that's kind of taken on a little bit of a serious demeanor. They take a very edgy, business like approach to their action on the field. And I think most of us would say that is a mindset that has worked well for Georgia on the field. But you may have also heard me say in the past that if you're going to be that business like between the white lines, you got to try to find a way to have a little bit of fun around the periphery. you got to try to find a way to have a little bit of fun when you can, because let's face it, on the field, Georgia has decided that winning is fun. And it's going to do whatever it takes to win there on the field, which means grinding pretty hard, which means having a head coach. that's kind of always in the midst of that grind and thinking ahead of the next thing or, you know, knee deep in the thing that he's currently doing. And, you know, sometimes the uh, Kirby Smart Press conferences, public face is not always the most sort of touchy feely type thing in the world. So when you can have some fun, probably important to do that. And I thought yesterday, in the way in which the Allen thing was rolled out, was an example of this. Or I should say, yeah, the, the Allen thing was rolled out yesterday, kind of an example of this. And it was also kind of against the typical norm here on this. Like a lot of times, whether it be media or coaches or whatever else, when a recruit is getting ready to make his announcement, this is one of those things where it's almost like complete radio silence. Nobody wants to, like, as they say, spoil the announcement. That's kind of always been the mindset that's out there you kind of clear the runway you let the recruit announce this on his own terms in his own way and nobody tries to spoil this or hinted this really whatsoever well yesterday you had a little bit of a different type of thing on that Well, there was a little bit of like internet buzz leading up to georgia making some sort of announcement including glenn schumann the obvious linebackers coach who's obviously someone instrumental in a thing like this you know schumann kind of had this yesterday where he sort of tweeted the kirby smart popcorn gif with the eyeball emoji kind of setting the stage for alan doing what he's doing as I said before, to me, this is an example of being kind of fun here. And it's, it's an example of Georgia that's going to be very businesslike in its approach on the field, finding a way to have some fun in recruiting. And for someone who enjoys the the drama of all of this and the soap opera that can kind of be around the recruiting process a bit you know, to think that, you know, Georgia's kind of embracing that more with the way in which Alan made his announcement yesterday. I think that's probably a pretty good thing all, all said and uh, done here. I, I didn't mind that whatsoever. Here's the other thing I think we notice about Alan coming to Georgia is you can't help but uh, deny or you, you shouldn't deny. Anyway, we showed we showed you uh, Glenn Schumann there a moment ago that Alan enters into a position group at Georgia that has had I mean, as direct a pipeline as you can get to the NFL, and this is every kind of you know uh, type of NFL player you can have, whether it be you know Belitnikov winner like uh, Roquan Smith, who went right to the front end of the first round, or a belitnikoff winner like Nicobe dean who may have been disrespected on draft night but still has a big career ahead of him a guy like tay crowder who for a long time played without very much in the way of accolades and yet found his way into the nfl draft and has found himself a home in the nfl you know guys like monty rice who just sort of always seem to play the position the right way doing the way that it's supposed to be done i mean when you think about a very young coach and i know connor riley who will join us later on who wrote about glenn schumann for dognation.com this morning Uh, but you can't help but notice all of this, that for a very young coach who had no coaching experience whatsoever before he got to UGA, the fact that he has not only won the kinds of recruiting battles that he's won, but he has such a high batting average in terms of taking these players, putting them into the NFL, Quay Walker, uh, you know, Channing Till, you had their names in a discussion like that. Hard not to notice the way in which you know, Schumann Star has just risen as a coach, and hard to have a much more successful start to a coaching career than what Schumann has had. And of course, when you have that kind of success, when you have uh, bred the kind of NFL prospects that Georgia seems to at the linebacker position, it is going to create a lot of you know a, a lot of interest in that program. And I think one of the biggest cliches that you can have about uh about recruiting is oh you know the spots are tight you know there's more players and you have room available for them and oftentimes that's an exaggeration but for Georgia at the linebacker spot right now I'm not quite so sure that is such an exaggeration that right now Georgia seems like it has room for after the uh, commitment of Allen, maybe a couple of more linebackers here. And you, you think about Tony Rojas, who's obviously a Penn State commit, or, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, Riley Wilson, who's a Michigan commit, or Trey Bowles, uh, obviously a guy that Georgia fans like a lot with Weeks, who was just on campus there a moment ago, uh, that you're looking at a long list of linebackers that Georgia fans have developed some affection for. The Georgia coaches, in some respects, seem to have great respect for, and you don't have room for all of them. And so I think one of the interesting things that's going to play out here in the weeks to come is – you know, who are those linebackers who are either prioritizing Georgia or are being prioritized by Georgia for the couple of remaining spots you might have on the heels of Allen announcing his pledge there yesterday. So that for me is four thoughts quickly on the uh, commitment of C.J. Allen to Georgia. I want to add a final one here for a moment. And this is one of those things that maybe only I notice, or maybe this is only interesting to me. I'll, I'll certainly grant you that. But I find it fascinating that in terms of the kinds of positions that generate chatter in football, the fact that the inside linebacker spot, I believe, relative to its actual value, continues to be pretty underrated. So when you think about places you want to have those big recruiting wins, if you base this on you know, the kind of positions that generate the most chatter, sometimes it seems like certainly edge rusher, and you understand why. Lockdown cornerback, you understand why. Those are positions that seem to always gravitate towards the front end of the NFL draft, that, that, that generate big-time interest in free agency when those guys become available in the open market, and certainly get fans really excited from a recruiting standpoint there as well when your college team has a chance to add one. Sometimes it seems that the inside linebacker spot seems to lag behind a little bit in terms of the overall interest. When it comes to that discussion, certainly from an NFL draft standpoint, we know that's true. Uh, Nakobe Dean was unfortunate in the receiving end of that going back to April, we think unfairly, but nonetheless, that's kind of what happened. That's kind of the way that it played itself out. And yet when I watch football, both the college and the pro level, I continue to see the very best teams in the country, the very best teams in the league, if you think about it on Sundays, I continue to see th- those types of teams having, very good inside linebacker play i've told you before i don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that when you look at the two very best defenses in the kirby smart era you have great inside linebacker play from both those teams and by great i mean truly great not figuratively speaking but literally great play from roquan in 2017 from Nakobe this past season and when you think about you know future door georgia defenses, which i also certainly think have a chance to be stellar in their own right the assumption that you would make is that captain that field general in the middle of the field as an inside linebacker that that's one of those things you also expect to see there as well and by the way it's not just true for Georgia where this happens I mentioned Trey Balls a moment ago his father Todd Bowles the coach uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks, was talking about Devin White the other day and I want to read this to you there a little bit uh you know uh, Bowles was talking about the evolution of White as a player and what he did a couple of years ago when uh, Tampa won the Super Bowl and kind of trying to refine that, you know, same level of success this past season. But this is what Todd Bowles, and this is a, certainly a name that's relevant here because of Georgia's pursuit of Trey Bowles, this is what Todd Bowles said about Devin White. And, and this, to me, sort of speaks to why winning battles like great inside linebackers, including the one that Georgia won yesterday for C.J. Allen, might matter so much. I'm not going to show this on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, Bowles says of Devin White, he's our tone setter. He's one of those guys that you have to uh, let be a football player. I'm not saying he's Ray Lewis or Mike Singletary, but he's one of those guys that's very confident in his ability. And he's very good at what he do, does. And you have to just let him play. I think we're getting back to that more. Letting him play, but understanding where he has to be at certain times. I love that phrase there from Todd Bowles and talking about Devin White, who you may remember from, obviously from LSU and has also gone on to a great group of the Bucks the idea that inside linebacker is the tone setter. It's the kind of player when the position is played well by a smart guy who's got the athleticism that you can just turn him loose and let him do his thing. That's what we've seen. If you watch the NFL, that's what Devin White has done at his best for the Bucks, And it's certainly what guys like N'Kobe Dean and Roquan Smith have done for UGA there as well. And Glenn Schumann's ability to kind of find the players who can become that, but also cultivate that talent while they are on campus is one of the reasons why this is such a hot position there at UGA. C.J. Allen, just the latest in that line, but you get the sense before the 2023 cycle is done, there may be some other big names added into this category there as well. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. and glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, we start 945, 1st and 15, dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, continuing on, of course, dognation.com, but introducing all the other video platforms there as well, Facebook and YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of ways to watch the show and video. We're glad. That you do that with us. Of course, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 963F, podcasts, wherever you find them, the Apple Player, Spotify. Uh, the google player com. just happy to have you with us as we present the show to you here today and happy to have our friends at engineered solutions of georgia making it all possible you know esog the one you turn to when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues let's face it that's the sign of a serious issue if you're a homeowner you see that water creeping in where it's not supposed to be it seems like we haven't had as much rain lately as we'd like to have but when it does rain some of you get met with a lot of anxiety because you know you've got those puddles starting to form and like I said, garage, crawl space, you see evidence down your basement. These are all signs of a potential issue and a reminder to you that you should reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Same thing when you see those cracks in your wall. You know foundation stuff is the kind of thing that needs to be taken care of right away. And maybe you fear the worse on that. But here's the thing you gotta understand is that ESOG is a solutions-based company. The word solutions, after all, is right there in their name. So they're looking to tell you whether the problem you're facing is a big problem or not. If it's a small problem, then they'll just tell you to go to the hardware store and get whatever you might need to fix the thing you might have. But if it's a more substantial issue, and let's face it, sometimes that is the case, you want the team at Engineered Solutions of Georgia on the job because they've got a full team of engineers on staff ready to help you. There's nobody else in the market that can say that those kinds of resources available for you, they're also proud partners of UGA, which makes them fun to do business with. It's kind of always cool to support those. That support the dogs and their longtime friends of our dear Dog Nation daily. And sincerely, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your support of those who help us keep the lights on around here. So we're grateful for all of that. Also, the phone number, very easy to remember there as well. I am not a super smart person, so when things can be simple, I'm grateful for that. And getting in touch with ESOG could not be simpler. To get in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia, simply dial 678 678- ESOG now. That's 678 ESOG now. And that'll get you in touch with my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We're going to get in touch with Connor Riley here coming up with a Kroger fresh take with him in just a moment. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. And this is kind of a simple point, and I'll try to make it as simply and succinctly as I possibly can. But as I continue to read up on some of the preseason write ups that exist around Georgia, here's the one thing you can't deny is that the ability of georgia to replace in some former fashion some of what georgia lost off last year's team continues to be probably the paramount question facing the program and it just stands to reason that it would be true we had five first round picks off one defense three defensive linemen and you know that's not even counting you know what guys like Nicopi Dean we mentioned a moment ago, what he brought to the program, that, that replacing some version of that is just it's just a huge issue facing UGA. And as you read up on what certain national media types are saying with the various position groups for Georgia, here's the, I think the one thing that you're left to conclude is that Georgia is going to be like almost every other team in the country is going to be, where of the 11 guys, you're going to have the field at any one point in time. You know, some of those guys are potential superstars. Clearly, Jalen Carter is on the verge of being that, if not already. Nolan Smith, much the same way. I would say Keely Ringo, in much the same way. And you may find other guys that are at least, you know, kind of close to that. But, uh, you know, in a given moment, Georgia's going to have some of those elite, high end level, almost superstar type level players that Georgia's going to have, even still a handful of those here on this 2022 defense. However, Georgia also, much like every other team in the country you know the clemsons the alabamas the ohio states of the 11 guys you have on the field at any given moment standing next to a superstar standing next to a future first round pick standing next to a future top 10 pick in some cases you may have a guy who's just a solid starter and i think one of the things that you can't lose sight of in college football is not everything is all american not everything is oh this player's so bad you want to replace him sometimes there is just a place for on a game that that requires 22 players on the field at one time. Some of those guys, you're just sort of hopeful to get solid starter contribution from. You're sort of hopeful they just kind of fill the void and play at kind of a appropriate level. You know, not rising the level of your very best players but also not the kind of guy that's going to get you hurt too bad. Some players on the field for you are just going to be solid starters. And you can decide for yourself if that's what Georgia has in a couple of spots here this year. And I think the very fair question of that is, be well, B.A., you know, solid starters, you know, guys who are who are not superstar level players, they can be exploited. You know, that's the kind of player that that uh, certain teams are going to want to try to pick apart. They're going to try to scheme to to put that guy in conflict and give themselves a chance to take advantage of the player that's that's below the caliber of a Jalen Carter or a Nolan Smith or a, or a Keely Ringo. And that, that may very well be true. So if you're Georgia, how do you prevent that from happening? How do you prevent the guys that might not quite be at the five first-round draft pick level that last year's defense was how do you how do you prevent those players who may just be solid starter level players and Georgia, like everybody else, may have a couple of those this season? How do you prevent that from becoming a problem for you from from those particular guys from getting exploited too much while all of a sudden opposing offenses are getting over on you? And to me, that's what it comes down to. And when I can keep things simple, I try to because if it's too complicated, I won't be able to understand it. So to me, this is, what it's, this is the simple story for the Georgia def- defense this season. Replacing all that replaced a year ago, the thing that you've got to match, at least in some form or fashion, is you've got to find a way to generate pass rush. If you're concerned about your cornerback starter opposite Keeley Ringo or your safety starter opposite Christopher Smith, or your inside linebacker spot because you lost three draft picks off that, if you're concerned about any of those areas defensively, the way to mitigate against those concerns, the way to bolster a defense that may have a handful of players who are playing below the all-SEC level is make sure your pass rush remains solid. Now, last year, Georgia knocked on the door of getting 50 sacks. That's a really big number. You probably don't have to match that again for the upcoming season but you better find a way to get 40. 40 has always been a little bit of a magic number for us, that teams, when they're really getting it done from a pass rush standpoint, 40 just seems to be the threshold they cross over. Something in the 30s, which Georgia has been in a few times before, kind of doesn't really feel like enough. 40 feels like enough to be truly impactful. I don't think you have to look very far to see this. Let's go back to last season. Think about postseason here, prior to the national championship. You had the SEC championship game against Alabama, where Georgia played, frankly, pretty lousy. You had the national semifinal game in the Orange Bowl against Michigan, where Georgia was dominant from the word go. What was the difference between those two games other than the nature of the opponent that Georgia was playing? Because you got to factor that into that there as well. But the difference between those two games was the presence of the pass rush. Georgia just found a way to get to the quarterback against Michigan in a way they were not able to get to the quarterback against Alabama and the tone of the games felt so differently because of that in fact you want to go back to last winter Smart leading the national championship game he talked about that he talked about the fact that hey you know Georgia just did get to quarterbacks better against Michigan than it had against Alabama there in December and therefore the entire tenor of the game felt different because of that that's what Kirby Smart said back in January here he is we practice against good rushers each day, Jamari and Warren. They listen to everybody talk about those guys rushing, and you know, Jamari and Warren are good pass protectors. They do a nice job defensively. We, we generated some better rush. We have to be able to do that to be successful. Was it a magic potion? I don't think it was a magic potion. We, we caught a lot of the same calls You know, we called against Alabama, but uh, the, the quarterback probably didn't escape as
1: good as Alabama's did, and we finished a little better.
0: Don't you love that phrase? We have to be able to do that to be successful. That was true for Georgia in the 2021 postseason. That's true for Georgia heading in the 2022 season there as well. There is a lot of departed talent off this Georgia roster. And the way to help new guys get more comfortable in new roles and expanded roles, more important snaps being played, greater number of snaps they've played in the past, more being asked from them, the way to allow those guys some space and some time to get comfortable doing that is to make sure Georgia maintains some semblance of a pass rush the way that it had a year ago for almost every game that it played, including that Michigan game in the Orange Bowl, which gave Georgia its chance to go win the national championship. Kirby Smart says it in no uncertain terms. We have to be able to do that. That was true last year. I think it remains true this year there as well. And that is around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Before we're done, There are a couple of very big recruiting stories, not really involving UGA, kind of outside the footprint here of Dog Nation. We'll cover those and tell you what that might mean about the sport here in the current state we are, summer of 2022. So we'll do that then. We also have a funny golden shoe for you there as well. But before that, everything on and off the field for Georgia, including the big commitment yesterday from linebacker C.J. Allen, let's cover all of that with Connor Riley as part of a Kroger Fresh Take right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. And across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Of course, Connor following the news yesterday very closely. C.J. Allen's commitment to the Dogs. He also had a great story this morning at uh, DogNation.com. But the role that Glenn Schumann has played in this, and the great success that Georgia linebackers have had on the field there as well. Connor, I want to cover all that with you here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. But before I kind of sort of get into the, I guess, the weeds on that. I think the most fascinating part of adding Allen, a very good player, the kind of guy that Georgia's always going to want in every situation, is what this means for the other dominoes at the linebacker spot. Because right now, Georgia seems to have – more players of interest certainly fans have some favorites here in this discussion and there are more of these names available than there are spots available There would be Rojas the Penn State commit or Raylan Wilson the Michigan commit there's been a little bit of a a move lately would seem for Whit Weeks who's obviously you know kind of from the Oconee County area uh who am I leaving out here oh yeah Trey Bowles maybe that may be the number one fan favorite of all right now that there's a lot of linebackers that that Georgia fans have kind of sort of fallen in love with here a little bit But there are only a couple spots left here at this spot for UGA. How um, is the rest of this going to play out in the aftermath of Allen making his choice yesterday?
1: Yeah, I I think I want to call Allen the top target for Georgia in in terms of linebacker, but it felt like Georgia very clearly made him a priority. And I think, you know, you and I following this and talking with Jeff Sintel felt for a while that Allen was a guy that Georgia really, really wanted in this class. Uh, And so from there, you know, Georgia's going to have some decisions to make, and it's a nice spot to be in, and it speaks to what, as you sort of touched on earlier, Glenn Schumann has been able to do at Georgia to get to a place where, you know, you've got five, you know, really, really talented linebacker prospects who all want to come play for you, and the reality is you're just not going to take five inside linebackers in one class. And so it's going to be really interesting to see the choices that get made here in terms of who ends up picking in and coming to the school, uh, in, in at Georgia, because, you know, let's look back to, uh, I want to say the 2020 recruiting cycle, you know, Georgia was only going to take one edge rusher in that cycle. And they took MJ Sherman because that was a guy that they had zeroed in on early in the recruiting process. And there was another player in the state that year who ended up being a five star. And last year, Will Anderson was that player, happen to be probably one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in college football. So it, it, it's a tricky needle to thread in terms of some of these decisions that are going to have to be made. But at the end of the day, it's still a pretty great spot to be in in terms of making your selections and, and having these guys available. You'd much rather be in this position than, say, a Florida or you know a Texas where you're trying to chase after these guys and get them on the campus and just have a shot at them.
0: I think the Schumann part of this is really fascinating because – I mean, Connor, he's still really young, and he was very young when Kirby Smart tabbed him to be on his first staff. There had only been an analyst there at Alabama. But when you look at the batting average of success, I mean, how many guys in the whole world are doing better than he is in terms of you know bringing in major recruits, turning a lot of those guys in just the last few years alone into really pretty impressive draft picks? I mean, Glenn Schumann is remarkably successful at a very early age. And I know that people kind of hear us always sort of praising these Georgia assistants, maybe kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But you don't get to be the kind of program that Georgia is unless you have a lot of assistant coaches who are really kind of punching above their weight. And I think that that's what Schumann has done. Um, It's really amazing how many draft picks he's had, but also how many of these recruiting battles he continues to win on the on the heels Of that draft success, Georgia is very, very good at the inside linebacker position, seemingly every single year. And the guy that's helped propel that is himself a a very young coach. This is a truly remarkable success story, I believe.
1: Yeah, Georgia fans have known who Glenn Schumann is and know, I, I think, how valuable he's been to this program. Uh, very, very quickly in the next, I would say, year or two, the rest of college football is going to understand who Glenn Schumann is and why he is such a coveted coach. And ultimately, I think, you know, one day he's going to be a head coach in the SEC, and in terms of evaluating assistance, I think that's probably about the highest level of praise you could give to someone. Uh, he understands how this program works. Uh, I think in terms of the way he thinks, in terms of the way he goes about, you know, interacting with players, there is a lot of Kirby Smart in him. And I, I would just point out, you know, going into age 32, his age 32 season, this was at Alabama. this was the second year there, first year as the defensive coordinator. Glenn Schumann's age 32 season at Georgia is going to be the co defensive coordinator, but I think he's going to have a little bit more responsibility than maybe that co defensive coordinator title follows there. And, and so he's a guy who, again, you know, wasn't a well known name when Georgia brought him in. Sort of similar to Todd Hartley in that sense, who we just saw got a big extension and raise. Uh, last week, which feels like eight news cycles ago at this point in time with everything that's happened to Georgia in the past week. But uh, I, I think it shows, you know, Brent human is a guy who's climbed the ladder and gradually improved. You know, it helps when you inherit Roquan Smith in that linebacker room. But it hasn't just been, you know, the tip top guys, the star recruits that have turned into really good players. You know, Tate Crowder was a two star yep. recruit that nobody thought all that much of. Monty Rice was a guy who Georgia and LSU were battling for, but. Wasn't some slam dunk, no doubt about it, third-round NFL draft pick. Uh, and even a guy like Channing Tyndall is a guy who never played inside linebacker prior to getting to Georgia and ultimately ends up becoming a third-round pick after spending four years and ultimately also never starting at Georgia. I think that speaks to how highly NFL people value what Schumann is as a teacher, as a developer. And he's also a pretty darn good recruiter. And I'll tell you this, Ronnie Rice told us two years ago that there isn't a smarter coach on this Georgia coaching staff than Glenn Schumann. So I'm really interested to see what he does this year from a defensive coordinator standpoint.
0: How much tougher do you think his job is going to be, as you said, moving into kind of a defensive coordinator role? We still don't quite know how all those responsibilities are going to be divided up. But it's fair to point out that, I mean, I think that Georgia's outside linebacker recruiting changed a little bit when Lanning took on more responsibility. I'm not saying it necessarily got worse. I'm just saying it was a little bit different and you know for glenn schumann who's been really good at the job he has had well this upcoming year i think you're led to believe he's going to have a pretty different job than he's had before um do you think there's a noticeable difference there in terms of you know the kinds of recruits that georgia is able to win with here moving forward the 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 kind of impact that that schumann is going to have on his on on his position that that he coaches the inside linebacker spot what's it going to be like for him growing into a bigger role you think
1: yeah it's hard. Again, Kirby Smart has been very uh, tight-lipped about, you know, how this defense is going to work in terms of how much Will Muschamp is doing, how much Glenn Schumann is doing, and of course, it's always going to be a collaborative effort there. But with all the work has to be placed at that inside linebacker position, more so than even the defensive line, I, I, I really am interested. in Year one, you know, I, I would say Glenn Schumann is probably going to be a little bit more involved with the inside linebackers. Whereas year two, year three in this sort of defensive coordinator role that he's currently in. I do think maybe, as you point out, with Dan Manning, he becomes a little bit less involved with that. But because of the turnover at linebacker, specifically in this offseason and, and the loss of experience they had there, maybe this year that he's still holding the reins to that inside linebacker room a little bit tighter, whereas overtime. And also he just sort of gets more comfortable with the responsibilities that come with being that defensive coordinator at Georgia you know, maybe then it shifts. But I think right now, I think he's still going to be very involved with that inside linebacker, as I think we've seen in this recruiting class.
0: Any take from you on Arch Manning's visit to Texas over the weekend? Obviously, the tight end making the commitment to Texas while Manning was there. Uh, Manning's teammate from Isidore Newman gets some attention. National media seems to think he's going to Texas. That's kind of been true the entire time. That has zero impact on me whatsoever. But you know, what do you notice, if anything, about Manning's visit to Austin over the weekend?
1: Yeah, I don't. I personally don't put a whole lot of commit uh, or uh, stock in you know his friend and teammate Will Randall committing to Texas because, like that, that's not that's not a that's not something that factors into a decision that Manning family would make. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, you know, I don't know how much these these sway these visits ultimately have on I me. Mean, again, you know, this is the number one football family in the South. I understand this is not a four year decision this is a 40-year rest-of-your-life decision. And so I I think on the one hand, anyone that tells you they know what Archimedes is doing uh, is just, I think, cloud chasing at this point because nobody truly knows because he is, you know, so under wraps and, and, and kept it so close to the vest in terms of his improvement. You know, the guy doesn't share anything on social media. Updates are rather hard to come by. And you know, I, I, I ache in his his commitment status to something like when the pope is elected, there'll be a puff of white smoke coming out, <laughs> and we'll find out know who it is, and sort of go from there. I, I do, I I am interested, in sort of what the timeline ultimately is. And in talking with Justin Thomas, it seems like it's July. I do wonder the longer it goes into the season, you know, I actually maybe think that might help Georgia a little bit because really? that would mean that maybe Arch, I mean, just because. Texas, ha- Texas is such just an interesting program right now. You know, they went 5-7, lost six straight games last year. They lost to Kansas in year one. And, and I don't think Arch wants to go to a program that isn't stable and, and doesn't have the winning there. And So if he still has questions, that Manning family still has questions about what Texas is going to be able to do in terms of its long-term trajectory and the trajectory over the course of Archer's career there, I, I, I do understand them potentially waiting out and seeing – what texas does of course that doesn't mean you know you can you know you can still make that commitment and then change your mind down the road obviously but i I do think maybe the longer this goes potentially the better that is for the university of Georgia.
0: so i'm going to ask an unfair question and the reason why this is unfair is because it wouldn't be admissible in a court of law because it goes to state of mind but you mentioned a moment ago that you don't think anyone knows what manning is going to do do you think Manning himself knows what he's going to do, or is his deliberation continuing because he's trying to decide? Uh, inside Manning's head right now, do you think he already knows the decision he's going to make?
1: I would say no, but again, this is because you know we know so little about who Arch Manning is. If I and I'm one of those people who if like if I know I'm gonna do something I, I make it know that I'm doing it. I would like to think that with all the hoopla and, and all the you know, the, the questions that come with his recruitment, if he truly knew what he was going to do, he'd probably wanna get it over with. Just because I think more often than not, committed recruits are much quieter than uncommitted recruits. And so I, I think if he did truly know where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do, I do sort of think, especially with the you know throwback nature that the Manning family has wanted with this recruitment, that if he knew where he wanted to go and he knew where he wanted to play, he would probably already be there. Given you know he's been to Georgia, I think four times now. He's been to Texas four times now. He's been to Alabama multiple times there as well. You know, I, I'm not sure what all more he would want to to see if he had already made up his mind and had that decision made. So. I don't think as it stands right now on, I guess, June 21st, uh, that Arch Manning fully knows what he wants to do.
0: So speaking of Manning, I saw the story. I know our buddy Michael Carvel It also uh, brought the dog this to Dog Nation for us, um, that Stetson Bennett's going to be part of the Manning Passing Academy. It's the thing that happens every single year. It's really for you know high school recruits, but the college quarterbacks get a chance to be counselors they also compete against each other there a little bit there too i find this to be kind of interesting i don't know that it's necessarily all that important necessarily but i still kind of find this to be somewhat compelling that a guy like bennett going into such a pivotal year for him the kind of final year for him to write his legacy there george are going to get a chance to spend some time around other great quarterbacks what do you think of bennett's presence at a place like this does it help him get ready for the upcoming year in any way
1: yeah, and I, I think it establishes him, you know, a, a, as a name and as, as someone to be taken more seriously. Something that the national media very clearly has not done with Seth and Bennett, instead, you know, focusing more on his story and all that he's got, all that he's been through to get to this point, instead of you know his actual game and what he does well. And I will ask you this though, VA: uh, Do we think Seth and Bennett is there if Georgia doesn't win the national championship last year?
0: No, probably not. Uh, now, there are like 40-something guys going to be there, so this isn't yeah. exactly the most exclusive club in the world, but uh, my guess is if he's not the national championship quarterback, even if Georgia lost like by one point in the national title game, I think it would have been easier to exclude him, but being the 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 quarterback of the reigning national champion probably does give him some extra cachet there, I would probably say.
1: Yeah, and I I would say I'd probably agree with you on that point there, and, and so again, you know, Justin Bennett is a guy, and you know, one of the things that's sort of been skewed this off season, nobody assumed he could get better last year in year two under Todd Munkin, and that's exactly what he did. Say what you want about him, but he was clearly a better quarterback in twenty twenty one than he was in twenty twenty. Why can't he make similar improvements and get yeah. better again in a third year under Todd Munkin like he did a season ago? We naturally project growth on just about every other player. We assume Jalen Carter is going to get better in year three. We assume Keely Ringo is gonna get better this year. We assume just about every player on this roster it's going to get better going into this next season. Why is Seth and Bennett not given the same benefit of doubt there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think people – the answer to the question is, I think people just see limitations that might stand in his way of being able to do that, some physical limitations. But I am more likely to agree with your premise that I do believe there is a level of achievement that he has not yet attained, which I do think is possible for him. I do think he could play better in 2022 than he played in 2021. I guess, Connor, where the the Manning theme becomes interesting for me is, is part of me sort of internally debates what the mindset of for him that would be necessary to do that would be because i think it's pretty obvious that that stetson kind of goes around a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he has been so doubted in some cases he's even been doubted by his own team you know the coaching staff itself has kind of kicked him to the curb here a couple of times he's even been doubted by them and i think he's kind of fueled by that doubt a little bit but if you're going to the manning passing academy and if you've got posted heisman odds even if they're you know really long shot odds you're not quite as doubted anymore as you used to be. So it's almost like I can't quite decide, should Stetson continue to be the guy that sort of goes out there ready to fight because nobody believes in him? Or should he be the guy that embraces? No, now you are the guy. You were sort of treated as the unquestioned starter for Georgia this spring, something you have not been before. Which of those mindsets is the right mindset for Bennett? Maybe there's no way we can know this, but which of those mindsets is the right mindset? Should he embrace being the guy, the guy that's going to a prestigious camp like this, or should he embrace being the guy who is doubted the way that he has been the last couple of years? Which is the right frame of mind for Stetson to put himself into, you think?
1: I would say it's probably a combination of the two there. You, know, you want to have that internal confidence in yourself that the rest of the team believes in me, but at the same point in time, got here because of that chip on his shoulder and so and i, I think in interacting with that and in, in speaking with him a couple of times i i do think he's going to continue probably to lean more of that chip on his shoulder side because quite frankly he's still getting a lot of flack and you know being discounted quite often and certainly more often than a national championship quarterback should be in my personal opinion And so i do think that chip on the shoulder sort of mantra mentality is going to continue to carry him and You know, I don't know, and I don't know at what point, you know, eventually that goes away. You know, you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, it arguably never goes away if you carry it long enough and it's a big enough chip. But I will also say this, you know, Stetson Bennett has also had plenty of confidence in himself. You know, it it says something for him to, you know, to want to come back and go to be a scholarship QB here. And, and have the belief in himself that ultimately he's going to get on the field, and that's exactly what he did. You know, it says something after the year he had in 2020 yeah. to sort of stay with this program, come back, and ultimately then go on and lead Georgia to a national championship. So I do think it says something about his confidence and his innate ability in himself that, you know, he, he can still have all that doubt and all have that big chip on his shoulder. You know, I, I won't give any free sponsorships here, but, you know, a very tasty, big-sized chip on his shoulder. Sure still come out and do what he needs to do and be the player that he wants
0: to be yeah i think that's exactly right by the way speaking to some chips great chance to get some uh, chips for your summer party coming up with our friends at Kroger. summer is uh here and kroger's got you covered on all of that in fact when it comes to grilling there as well to go along with those chips kroger's got you on all that there as well you can turn up the heat and the flavor with new favorites for every dish this summer go to Kroger.com or Kroger or should say go to the Kroger in store or Kroger.com grilling to learn more about that all kinds of outdoor fun being had and Kroger right there in the middle of all of that Connor how'd you like that transition
1: that's one of your better ones I've ever heard I appreciate that
0: hey let me finish with this I talked about the Georgia defense just before you joined us and to me I don't think there's any doubt that Georgia this year like every team in the country is going to have a couple of guys who are you're sort of hopeful they're just solid starters. Like, this isn't fantasy football where you have eleven all-stars every position. You know, almost every team's got a couple of pretty high-end players. The best teams have more than a couple. But even the very best teams in the country, the the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, they're going to be a couple of guys on the field who are not necessarily all American level players. You just sort of hopeful they feel a void for you, and I don't think that Georgia's any different this year. Maybe Georgia's more that way this year because of all the players they lost off last year's roster. That's just a reality that in some cases of the eleven guys you have on a field, you know, one or two of those guys are just sort of plug-in solid starter. That's what you're hopeful they are. But kind of I'm a big believer that if the pass rush is at least somewhat replicated what it was a year ago, you can mitigate against that and you can cover up whatever potential weakness you might have as long as you're making life tough on opposing quarterbacks and for me this upcoming season it's as simple as that for the Georgia defense uh what's your kind of thought on that side of the ball here for the moment
1: yeah Georgia had I believe 49 sacks a season ago they've at least got to get over 40 uh, I think to have the sort of season they want to have And you know we've, we've thrown that number out a while yep uh, in multiple seasons, I do think that they have the personnel there to get it. You know, I think Nolan Smith. Uh, if maybe they ask him to do a little bit less in terms of you know his role as an as an outside linebacker and say, hey, more often than not, we're going to need you just go get the quarterback now. Uh, Robert Beal is a guy who I thought really impressed down the stretch run last season, especially in terms of his ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, you know, we know in, in years past, jordan has been very aggressive aggressive with blitzing their off-ball linebackers in terms of getting production from them from sacks. I mean, interested to see how Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Tresman, Marshall, Tresman Marshalls, Marshall, Munden, factor into that there. Uh, and, and so, you know, you've got to find a way to get the 40 sacks, I think, to really cover up some of the weaknesses that exist on this Georgia defense, especially there in the back end. We don't know what that starting quarterback is going to look like opposite Keely Ringo. Uh, that safety spot opposite Chris Smith, I have no idea what that's going to look like. And that's probably my biggest concern with this defense this year. And so, uh, I think if you tell me there's a pass rush, that Goldsmith that is guy that pushes eight, nine, maybe ten sacks. I think Robert Beale could potentially do something similar this year, which is something we haven't really seen. going to grab two of those t- sort of type, you know, seven, eight sack guys. And I think they're going to need. Smith and Beal to probably do that given the turnover that they have at the inside linebacker room and where you know, Georgia's sack production has come from in the past, along with Jalen Carter there, you know, we haven't really, you know, Trevor Walker, I think got six sacks a season ago. We'll see if an interior guy like Jalen Carter is able to do something similar and get to that, you know, five, six, seven
0: range. I think it's exactly right. Connor, great stuff. We love reading your content there at dognation.com there as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the program here today. We will uh, look forward to having you back on again very soon as well.
1: Yep, as always, it was a
0: pleasure man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really good stuff from Connor Riley there. Always fun to have him here. Make sure you're reading all the stuff that he's writing for you there, dognation.com. He is doing a, a great job and uh, just sharing great insight on everything going on with UGA there. We're going to pull back, big picture here, look at a couple things around the SEC. Before that, though, let me remind you that when we're cruising around the SEC, we're doing so courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Boy, what a great time this is for you to be on your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. You know, it's just such a fun experience. And, you know, we talked yesterday about some of the great things you're doing on board with entertainment options, but also at some of the places that you're visiting that I think should just get you really excited. And maybe nothing more exciting than that perfect day Coco Cay, that private island right there in the Bahamas, that is just about as much fun and about as really amazing an experience as you're ever going to have. You get the thrill side with the water park, tallest water slide in North America, for instance. You get the chill side where everybody's just kind of hang, hanging out, relaxing, largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. This is a private destination that is a part of so many of the different Royal Caribbean cruise itineraries. And it's one of the things that probably gets me as excited about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation as almost anything. When I am beginning my search for my next Royal Caribbean cruise, you better believe, and this is true, you better believe I am starting by looking at which ships are going to perfect day Coco Cay. We'll figure out the rest of the ports after that. But as a first and foremost, my Royal Caribbean cruise vacation has got to be going to perfect day Coco Cay. It's a non-starter for me. Otherwise, that's how much I love being a part of that beautiful private island right there in the Bahamas. And you only get that on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So make sure you check out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They can help you get booked up on this. You can find them online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 they'll get you hooked up on all of that you can own you can enjoy your own royal caribbean cruise vacation here in 2022. All right a couple of pieces of recruiting news to get to you here for a moment. This does not really involve UGA necessarily but uh, I think it's going to be interesting for Georgia fans. Let me begin with this. Yesterday, five-star wide receiver Carnell Tate Chose Ohio State over Tennessee. Now, a couple of things for me interesting about Tate and his decision here. First and foremost, you know the Ohio State Buckeyes. The and that, by the way, nice look there at uh Tate and a uh, good looking edit there going to uh, Ohio. You see uh, Brian Hartline, the the Ohio State receivers coach there on the screen there with him. Uh, obviously, they've had a lot of Belichick Award winners and they're kind of celebrating a lot of that. But when you look at success at a position group, I mean. We don't like the Buckeyes around here. Very few fans do. If you're not an Ohio State fan, but you got to you got to acknowledge what Ohio State has done. We may bring that music down just slightly. But what Ohio State has done at the wide receiver position is just remarkable. And obviously, they've got you know the market cornered on other great receivers, including a guy like Tate here right now. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see what this means for Ohio State in terms of its on-field success. No one's producing better wide receiver play. We are certainly in a day and age when that seems to really matter. Obviously, recruits like Tate are noticing that. But last year, Ohio State missed out on the college football playoff after having a very explosive offense. This season, they are one of the odds-on favorite to be expected to be in the playoff here this year. They're certainly the clear favorite in the Big Ten. But last year, the lack of physicality kind of hurt them a bit when they had to play Michigan in a road game there. You know, near the at the at the very end of the regular season. So what does Ohio State's ability to corner the market at the receiver spot actually mean for them on the field? We're about to find that out. But there's no doubt there's really nobody recruiting better talent, developing that talent better than Ohio State is when it comes to this position. You sort of have to sort of take your hat off to that. They have dominated when it comes to receivers and you don't really see that slowing down anytime soon. On the flip side of that, this is a recruiting battle that, man, Tennessee was really hoping it might have a chance to win. They were really hoping to be a factor in the Tate recruitment, and ultimately he'd probably end up making the decision that most people thought he was going to make there on that. And, you know, listen, well, one of the things I kind of find to be interesting about the Tennessee part in discussions like this is that for all the effort they've made to be a major player in the NIL game, you know, think about the rumors around Nico Amelieva and all that kind of stuff, the quarterback commit they have for the class of 2023. Thus far, it doesn't seem like their impact in terms of the kind of attention they're getting is maybe as substantial as they hoped it would be. I mean, when you think about the big NIL guys, I mean, it's fans talking about Texas A&M, it's fans talking about Miami, even to a degree, sometimes talking about USC, although it's difficult to tell how built out the infrastructure really is when it comes to the program right there in Los Angeles. But Tennessee kind of wants to be a player in all of this, but it kind kind of quite hasn't happened as of yet. I even joked about this the other day that when Nick Saban was kind of going on his whiny rant about NIL, he sort of mentioned everybody but Tennessee. If you're a vols fan, you can't be all that happy about that. That supposedly nobody's got a better collective built up than Tennessee does. And yet right now, beyond I'm Oliva, you don't really see a lot of tangible benefit to that. Now there's still a long way to go in the 2023 cycle and that could very well change here soon but this is the kind of example of on the heels of getting a big-time quarterback commit that, you know, you were sort of hoping to win with some of these wide receivers, and important to know that Tennessee really, you know, had a hard time elbowing its way in along the along the lines of a, a Ohio State in a recruiting battle for a guy like Carnell Tay. Another piece of recruiting news, and speaking of NIL, you have to assume this must factor prominently here, five-star running back Reuben Owens has committed to Louisville. Now you may remember a few weeks ago on the show we talked about Owens oh, supposed to be taking a visit to Georgia, kind of canceled that visit. Uh, he had officials at the time scheduled to like TCU and and Louisville, and you're kind of left to wonder where is where his process kind of stood. Well, he ends up making what I think when you come when it comes to to you know being a big time prospect here in the 2023 cycle, a pretty surprising decision to go to a place like Louisville. We've had a long period of time now where almost all the five-star recruits in the country were gravitating towards a very small number of programs, obviously Georgia being one of them. I think some of the folks nationally are kind of left to to ask the question of, well, does Owens going to Louisville mean we're about to see more parity in terms of the kinds of places that five-star recruits are choosing to go? Maybe we'll see an example of that uh, in the rest of this 2023 cycle. Maybe this itself is just an outlier on that. But I think this kind of speaks to some of the challenge that exists when it comes to recruits making the decision about where they go and programs and boosters of those programs making a decision about how to spend their NIL money like I I mean listen I think Owens is a very good player but I think that Louisville is really a decidedly average program and you know if if Owens goes on to be the kind of running back that many people assume that he probably would be because of the rating that he has like how much of a difference does that really make for Louisville I mean is Reuben Owens going to be better for Louisville than Jameer Gibbs was for Georgia Tech? And you saw what that meant for Tech in terms of its on-field success in the ACC these last couple of years. Great running back, but very little connection any kind of wins whatsoever. So if you're a Louisville booster, you've spent this money presumably to get Owens in the program. What happens when he gains 1,300 yards, but Louisville goes 5-7 and seven, or 7-5 seven and five, or 6-6 six and six, or whatever their records have kind of been there as of late? Like, how happy are you to have a great player if that great player alone is not enough to to propel you to more wins and i think we in the acc have seen that the presence of a great running back alone is not necessarily enough to you know to get all that done and if you're owens like how much money is worth it and listen obviously if you're gonna pay me a whole bunch of money i might be willing to do a lot of things but how much money is worth it to kind of put yourself into sort of an irrelevant place for your college career, especially when you've only got so many carries to give and you give those to a college team, man, I hope you got a bunch of money for doing so because those are carries you could be giving to some future NFL team or, you know, as a part of some sort of college program that's truly in contention for a playoff berth or a you know national championship or something like that. As a running back, you've just got kind of a finite shelf life. And, you You know, if you're giving those over to Louisville to go scuffling in the middle portion of the ACC, I hope when it's all said and done, that's a decision that you're glad that you made. Now, some people have kind of cynically said, hey, go ahead and take the NIO money for Louisville now, transfer a little bit later on and get some money from somebody else later on. And maybe that's what this ends up being. And if he just wants to play for Louisville, then, you know, I got no beef with him on that. That's just the choice that he wants to make. But we are in kind of a very experimental phase of college football. How much money would be worth it to you to play on an irrelevant team? Will probably continue. will continue to be. And how much money is a booster to be worth to you to have a great player that's not really raising the fortunes of your program overall? If that's the way this plays out, I think checking back in on this a year or two from now is probably worth doing. But for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And it was a video that got some uh, attention yesterday. Want to make that the subject of our golden shoe here today. Always funny. We can bring that music down just a little bit maybe. But always funny when you have these like gator videos that pop up from time to time. I don't mean Florida gators, although around here we're always enjoying the idea of, you know, gators getting what they deserve. And how about this video here today as far as our golden shoe? Uh, I want to thank Alex uh, Lyle for sending this to me. How about this old guy here with just like a frying pan just whacking this gator? like that guy is braver than me by a magnitude of about a thousand like there's no way i'm doing that but look at that gator turning tail and running though much the same way the lousy stinking gators do on the field there as well that is amazing uh but good to see nonetheless uh and that's the way it's going to go for the gators on the field later on this fall we'll make alex our golden shoe winner for sending that to me today and really the old guy for whacking the gator there as well how about speaking of the gators how about a gator header updater been 4,912 days since florida has won a national championship they're getting some wax on the head on the field a lot these days it seems and they've got another one coming in jacksonville uh, very soon there as well our gator hater countdown dogs back in jacksonville and even 130 days from right now we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast I'm now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take a few of your comments here and for today's cool down i went and looked at some of the comments at dognation.com upon the announcement that cj allen was joining the 2023 class for the dogs a dog tattoo checks in to say, "Welcome to UGA. So happy you're a dog." Score check says, "Welcome to Bulldog Nation." Uh, Old Dog Seventy Six says, "Great news. Pride to have you as a dog." Fort Worth Dog says, "Welcome aboard." BDW Thirty One Eighty Four says, "Love the fact that he committed right after his official visit with Tennessee. Can't make this stuff up." Thanks for committing to the G. Yeah, that is kind of fun to think about. That. Uh, pretty good point, BD uh w i like that dogman 912 says george boy staying home and yeah listen over the course of the last few years georgia has certainly gained in its national profile in pursuing recruits but there is still something special about a dog from the state of georgia choosing to play his home his uh college football right here in his home UGA Dad20 says kid's a football player. The way that he covers Granite Pursuit is very Channing Tyndall-esque. Nice comparison there. Not sure this kid couldn't play a running back at Georgia there as well. Playing basketball, especially that size, is excellent training for football defenders, runners, and receivers. So UGA Dad sees a lot to like. Silver British says, Awesome news. Best news I've heard all day. Welcome to the Dog fam. Keep working hard, young man. It's going to pay off. So a lot of Georgia fans very happy. Jim Wallace says, Congratulations to young Mr. Allen, his family, and Dog Nation. And then Dog Crazy 76 says, great news. Great time to get to this place to go be elite. Yeah, there's no doubt there's a level of fame that the Georgia program has obtained because of its national championship that seemingly recruits are pretty clearly noticing. C.J. Allen, just the latest on that. But we would assume far from the last to make a big pledge to the dogs here in the coming week. So we'll be all over that for you here on Dog Nation. Thanks for being a part of that today on our podcast, Cool Down. Y'all check out RS Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews on that, including your water heater. If it goes out in many cases, they can replace it for you the same day. So make sure you check them out, rsandrews.com for more on that. You'll have a great day. We will see you tomorrow. Uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.